Hello and welcome to episode 72 of the Mid-Off Cricket Podcast. Mid-Off because by midway through, you'll probably want to switch off. I'm your host, Ross. Let me introduce the team. The boy from the wrong side of the tracks come good. Welcome, David. Hello, Ross. Uh, I'm glad to have you back. I know you're on this podcast part-time these days, but um, it. it's been fantastic <laughs> to uh, to get you back for the big occasion of episode 70-whatever we are. Two. Yep. A man who has said Shane Watson, sorry, modelled his game on. Welcome, Michael. Hello, gents. Australia's number one Mitch Marsh fan and our guru. Welcome, Alex. What is this ghostly apparition of a voice I hear? Someone who I, have, I haven't heard his voice in more than a month. Oh, wow. Casper. <laughs> uh, today we are quadrangled in the Frederick Hyrule Sock Company Studios. This <laughs> It's a big lug production brought to you by our tier one sponsors for 2018. Brits Diablo, the poor man's Yoho Diablo, Gateway Drug, yeah. the Fire Twirling, the Wacker, Sun in Your Eyes since 75, the Dot Matrix <laughs> Printing Company, the Tractor Paper Company, Snakeboard, Dislocating Kneecap since 1991, Pyramid Bank, and Channel 31. Don't forget our merchandise on Redbubble. Check out the hats! <laughs> <laughs> You're a fucking can idiot. We, can, we add, can we add Bilo to our T1? Bilo, yeah, yeah. Just let me type that into the Google Doc. Hang on, hang on. B I L O. I think we had Bilo like last year. Oh, years. I think oh, in, in episode 10 we had Bilo. That's how long oh, ago it was. Yeah. Good memory. Yeah, Franklin Supermarket are just getting on board too, I hear. So, great news. <laughs> we start off with a bit of national team talk, and it's the most important tour of every cricketer's life. It's the upcoming Qantas Ashes Tour of the United Kingdom 2019. The dates have been released. The first test is on August the 1st next year, just uh, 370 or so, 380 or so days away. Uh, that starts on a Wednesday, it goes to Lords then. Followed by Headingley in Leeds, then Old Trafford in Manchester, and finishes at the Oval on September the 12th to 16th. So it's an right. August-September Ashes. And starting on a Wednesday? Starts on a Wednesday. Three of the right. tests starts on a Wednesday. Wow. Mm. First, third new. and fifth tests start on Wednesdays, and the second and fourth <coughs> tests, uh, something like that. Wednesdays and Thursdays are the start dates, anyway. Okay. I blame yeah. the uh, new 100 game. Changing the uh, start yes. date from yes. usual Thursdays to Wednesdays. Yes, well, it's Thursdays and Fridays usually, but there you go. Mm. See, that would be the beauty <laughs> of a four-day test. It could start Thursday every week, much like a golf tournament. Mm. Anyway. Golf starts no. on Thursday, does it? No yeah. four-day test matches, fellas. <laughs> None. Now, it's interesting you brought up the 100, Alex, because yes. I got a little update on the 100 via the Twitter sphere yesterday and said there will be no 10 ball over. In the oh, hundred, right. instead there will be twenty-five ball overs. Hold on, right. did you, twenty. <laughs> did you say twenty overs per side? Yes. So I believe that the format of the game is going to be called T Twenty S for T Twenty shit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, imagine the T Twenty IS. <laughs> Daddy, Daddy international shit. Shits, <laughs> yes. And then if, oh, yeah. if it's a bit of a one-sided game, it's a T20 RS, T20 real shit. Yeah, T20 rat shit. <laughs> and rat the shit. WT20 IS. <laughs> oh, yeah. T20 international shit. Yeah, I'm, oh, I can't bring on the WT20 RS. That's what I'm about. <laughs> 
Yeah, so uh, those boffins down at ECB HQ, they've just oh. been running the numbers, haven't they? Just seeing what they could do. What do um, what do people like? They like the twenty over format, but we find that it's just one ball per over too long. So <laughs> we've crunched the numbers, and we can yeah. save exactly fifteen minutes per innings. Yeah. Bring it back. Bring it back a ball. Bring it back one ball. The um the the words that are ringing in my ears from the meeting I went to was when the mm. chairman banged his fist on the desk and said, "Let's decimalise this bastard." <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. 100 was in. But yeah. didn't I... I read, I read that you, um, you... You're half right, Ross, because mm. you said there'll be no 10-ball overs, but can't... There's a bowler can bowl two five-ball overs in a row should the captain wish to. Really? Right. I have no idea. Yeah, I, that's what I read today. I am... I'm telling you right now, I've done my research, surprisingly, and that's what happened. gone hey. silent because I've done research yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whoever's come up with this idea is just stealing money from the ECB oh, like, yeah. it's, ta- it's like the bike goes alright so what we're going to do is they're going to be like DVDs but the picture's going to be even better and we'll call oh, well, them Blu-rays well. and we'll charge yeah. twice as much yes I prefer laser discs myself. I've <laughs> <laughs> been talking wow. to the boffins down at laser discs to get some ruler out of them for the podcast. Actually, I'm still a Betamax man, to be honest. <laughs> oh, well, that was a high picture quality back in the day. They say. <laughs> oh, yes, and uh, England are preparing for their 2019 Ashes campaign with a four-day test at Lords from July 24 to 27. So, who's playing a four-day test? England versus Ireland. Yeah. So they're allowing four-day tests now. Yeah, it was mm. one South Africa played Zimbabwe in a four-day test. Oh, okay. You're on a cricket podcast, Alex. Absolutely aware of that. Thanks, David. <laughs> <laughs> How is Australia going to warm up for this test series, the Ashes, after the World Cup next year? Uh, Inter club match. <laughs> yeah. With Put a that- um. Put that chair out at... Um, yes, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. With a wicker chair. chair. No, not plastic. <laughs> We're going wicker. It's the ashes. Wicker chair at bat pad. <laughs> if it is a chair, you're out and you don't get to train anymore. I don't care how hard you hit the chair either. Full-blooded pull shot. <laughs> hits the chair on the full, you're fucking out. Rules are rules. So one team will be like the test team and the other team will be Glenn Maxwell and ten wicker chairs. Yep. And the Glenn Actually, Maxwell team probably win. Hey, Bull, I don't think it's going to be a wicked chair. I think it'll be a set of kendo sticks if Lang is still involved. Ah, true. <laughs> and no <laughs> bottle of Southern Comfort next to it. Some nunchucks or something. <laughs> would, the, would there be a slouch hat on top of the kendo stick? Oh, it would have to be. <laughs> if, you hit the, if you hit the slouch hat, you get sent back to Australia, I think. In chains. On a boat. <laughs> Oh, that's still the dumbest thing Australian cricket's well, ever done. Oh, other thing no, is, sorry, if you knock over one of the kendo sticks, you've got to go talk to Hados for an hour. Yeah, <laughs> while he sits in his socks mid-pitch, uh, visualising his innings. Wearing his hat. I've got to say that the slouch hat's not the dumbest thing Australia's ever done. 
wearing their bag of greens to Wimbledon final, watching mm. the Pat Rafter play. That's the dumbest thing we've ever done. <laughs> and funny how both of them are just so heavily Steve War. Oh, oh yeah. I, like, I still go back to Chapelli. It's a piece of fucking fabric. Get over yourselves. <laughs> the thing I love about the Wimbledon one is just when Warney tells the story, the disdain in his voice yeah, no, when he tells it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 I noticed, Mick, that you were able to scour the leader newspaper during the week and find some information about Coburg sub-district cricket. All right, so Coburg have signed a new coach who's vowing to bring the Steve War style of cricket to Coburg, and they're going to be ruthless and they're going to win at all costs and rah, rah, rah. It's fair to say that cunt lives in a basement at his parents' house. Fucking sad. Oh, unbelievably. Yep, unbelievably. <laughs> He plays sub his district, which makes him sad from the start. And then the whole, like, Steve Ward thing just makes him sadder if that was even possible. You think he has, in, like, his, um... in his basement room, one corner of his basement bedroom is a shrine to <laughs> SR War? Yeah. A dilapidated green cap in that corner. Yeah. On one On wall. slouch hat. On one wall, there's like half. On one wall, there's like half a corrugated old water tank, so he can do the Don Bradman, you know, hitting the ball to himself. Fucking wanker. <laughs> there's also with the slouch hat and the tattered hat. There's also a a little red handkerchief that's very warm. <laughs> oh and God. and and a bottle of Southern Comfort, fellas. <laughs> a of Southern yeah. <laughs> and a wicked uh, chair. <laughs> the wicked chair. You yeah. don't get them everywhere. It sounds like you've been listening to the previous podcast, Ross. That was almost a segue. Oh, well, there you go. I must say, I'm enjoying how some of you keep cutting in and out. That's been really good. Yeah, and me. Loving it. Oh, yeah, I'm enjoying it too. I thought yeah, it was I just thought, me. Thought no, it's all, it's it. happening to all of us. Yeah. New right. technology is fantastic, guys. Uh, yeah, Trying yeah. new things is good too. I like how it's always such a giant leap forward. You know, it's not just <laughs> some pissy little step with the same issues coming back time and again. It's just that giant leap forward. That's the best yeah. Yeah. New issues. That's what we like. Yeah. Uh, well, on that note, I'll hand over to an opportunity for me not talk for a little bit. It's over to Mick for his county rap. Alrighty, All right. lads. So we have the latest edition of Have Bat Will Travel. So uh, we're going to start off, we're going to wind up the last lot of four-day games that happened before the T20 kicked off. So it's effectively round eight. So we'll start off with Divi 1. Um, Surrey beat Yorkshire by seven wickets. So Yorkshire elected to bat first. They put up 342. The main contributor there being Jonathan Pokey's Tattersall, who made 70. <laughs> Good. And and the test batsman impersonated Gary Balance, who made 54. Best of the Surrey bowlers was Ross's man, Jay, the shitfish Dernbach, who took four for 104. Oh, gin forfer. Yeah. Surrey made 267 in reply, with uh, Ollie the Catholic Pope making a, making meal for, for a pair, 69. And oh, yeah. Rory, third degree burns, making 59. Pick of the Yorkie bowlers was Ben the Bro Code, with five for 53. Oh, that's ah. good, that's... Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Second innings, Yorkshire got rolled for 152 with no one going past 25. Ooh. The big tuna Mornay Morkel was the pick of the Surrey Bowlers. He took five for 39. Oh, Jesus. So Surrey was set 228 for victory and passed at three down with Rory It Burns making 97. <laughs> oh. Points for Surrey 21, Yorkshire 6. 
Uh, next one we've got Hampshire Drew with Lank with uh, Lancashire. So Hampshire elected to bowl for, um elected to bowl no they didn't, they elected to bat first, sorry. And they posted four hundred and fifty one. I don't know why I've got bowl written here, fucking idiot. Uh, Riley Russo made hundred and twenty. And Steam White Rice James Vince made hundred and three. Uh, Graham Onions took five for 96 in a spell of bowling that would bring a tear to your eye. Oh, tasty. A tasty pun. It's not our podcast, but I don't get that joke in at least once every week. Uh, so in reply, Lanks made 411 with the Saffa keeper batsman Dane Villas top scoring with 134. Alex Davies also made a century racking up 115. Kyle Abbott was the best of the Hampshire bowlers for three 489. Hampshire always have totally heaps fun. of Hampshire always have heaps of Sather ex test players. Like over this summer so far they've had Stain, they've had um fucking what Amla, now they've got Kyle Abbott. They always seem to have some South African boys. I um I don't know much about geography, but if you're one of our English listeners, and let's be honest, you're the only ones who listen to us, um, can you tell us if Hampshire is the closest point of England to uh South Africa? <laughs> or can you let us know, is Hampshire the only place that has, like, antelopes so the South is feeling yeah. home? Or what's that, shit they, what's that shit they chew on? Biltong. Maybe they've got that. Uh, so, second innings, uh, Hampshire had a, another bat. They posted five for 237 before the match went, was before the match was declared in a draw. Uh, Joe Fairweatherly made 126 not out oh, in that second good, inning. Oh, Nick. There was nothing really special from the bowlers. Uh, points where Lanks got 11 and Hampshire got 10. Gee, that's a boring game, isn't it? Yeah. So from back to the points thing quickly, because we've been chatting about this. Apparently, after talking with uh, one of our uh, English listeners over the Facebook, um, apparently the point system works something to do on your first 110 overs. So whether you like to do with run rates and like kind of aggressive, trying to encourage aggressive cricket and stuff like that. So I think it's similar to the old point system we had in the Shield where if, you know, you chase mm. the runs in certain overs, you got more points and stuff like that. Yeah. One day Can I'm going to research it and let everyone know what really happens, but today won't <laughs> no. be that day. <laughs> no, don't do that. I was just going to say to those pricks who keep telling you what the uh, the point system actually works, get your own fucking podcast, boys. Uh, what no, what we do, what we do is minimal research for maximum gains, all right? That's what we do. My favourite part about it is, is that the way the messages are written, they have about as much fucking clue as we do how the point system works. Yeah. Uh, they probably still know more than us. That's yeah, that's true. Hey, but Dave, Dave, yes, we like Alex. we like to do the eighty twenty rule, but you cut out the twenty. So we do twenty percent <laughs> of the work on eighty percent of the gains. And we just leave the other eighty away. We, just, we don't care. I go the by the um, ninety nine one rule, where it's ninety nine percent getting drunk and trying to entertain people, yeah. and one percent of actually being factual. <laughs> Yeah, good. And it's only about that's usually, nearly four to ten. Yeah, I was going to say, that's usually my quiz answers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, let's continue. Oh, so you finished interrupting? Thanks. All right, so we move on. So, we go. <laughs> so Essex drew with Somerset. So uh, Essex elected to have a bat first. They finished up with five for 517 declared. Pick Ooh, of the geez. bats was the flying Dutchman, Ryan Ten Skater, who made 173 oh, red. So, Ravi Bopara also got 118. And Ali Cook made 96. The chef. So, the most memorable of the Somerset Bowls was off-spinner Dom Bess, 
who took two for 132. <laughs> oh, again two for. Jesus. <laughs> Ross is back. Uh, yeah. So Somerset made 407 in reply. The best with the stick there was James Hildreth, who got 78. And uh, Eddie Byron made 54. Not to be outdone by Don Best, Neil Wagner and Simon Harmer both went for 122 each. Whoa. Did they get a wicket? Yeah, Neil got three and Simon got two. Wait oh, getting three for Yeah, we go. <laughs> Second time around, Essex declared seven for 208. Ravi Popar had gotten the runs again with a 58. Don Best took three for 81 to finish the match with figures of five... For 213. <laughs> oh, Pfeiffer. Jeez. Somerset was set 319 to win. <laughs> so, so Somerset had to chase 319. They finished up 5 for 151 when the match ended in a draw. There's nothing really interesting from the Somerset bats. Simon Agreed. Harmer ended with 3 for 44 for Essex. Essex got 11 points. Somerset got 10. So in the final match for the for the Divi one for this round, uh, Knotts uh, drew with Wart with uh, with Worcester. So Worcester elected to field first. Knotts made nine for four ninety nine before declaring. They had no faith in their number ten, so they declared nine down. Um, <laughs> pick of the bats was the Knotts skipper Chris, the outsiders Hall and Nash, who made one hundred thirty nine. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Fuck, that's good. Uh, Ricky Sonner Kepler made 75. And uh, the Worcester's highlight with the ball was Steve. I am still available. McGoffin, who took three for ah, 70. My man. <laughs> I love when his name gets bought up. Oh. Uh, the source man made 287 in reply. Pick of the bats was Ross Wiley with 70, 76. Harry the stretcher Gurney took four for 97 for knots. <laughs> Uh, Nuts had a second bat. Jake Libby made 100 not out. Samit Patel also got 71. McGoffin took none so, for 11, and he's still available. That's, uh, a, that's, a, that's a bullock none for. Did you just call the um, Did you just call the Worcester boys the Sourceman? Yep. Ah, oh, fucking brilliant. Hold yeah. Um. So uh, Worcester was set 462 for victory. The Sourceheads got to eight for 368. Before Ooh, the game was declared a draw. Pick of the Worcester bats was Joe Clark, who made 177 not out, so he basically made half the runs. Uh, pick That's of the a boring no- name. P- yeah, pick of the oh, Nuts yeah. bowlers was Luke Fletcher, who got 354. That poor cunt, his middle name's Michael, so he's Joe Michael Clark. Poor fucking <laughs> oh. boy. Westgate. Uh, so, so the points were Nuts got 12, Worcester got 9. So at this point of the se- season, going into the T20, Divi won. The standings currently are Surrey have five wins with 129 points. Knots have four wins with 107 points. Next up, Somerset and Essex both have three wins each with 97 and 92 points respectively. Hampshire, Lanks have one win each with 72 and 71 points. Yorkshire has two wins but only 68 points. So this is where the flaw in this system starts to come about because if you win but you're boring, it makes it harder to win the um, comp. Uh, Worcester have one win and 54 points. Uh, so we'll quickly go into Divi 2 where there's a few more Aussies about in the Divi 2. So North Ants uh, beat Glamorgan by 233 runs. So North Ants elected a bat first. They posted 281 with Alex Wakeley top scoring with 82. Glamorgan's on the Googs. Tim van der Gugden <laughs> hey. took five for 45. 
Oh, that's a haul. So Glamorgan made 254 with Usman Kamashwa making 103. Best of the North Ants Trundlers was Ben Sanderson with 3 for 30. Second innings, North Ants posted 9 for 406. What was that? That was you talking. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, so uh, second innings, North Ants posted 9 for 406 before declaring. Top, sco- top scorer was Ben. Ah, duck it. With, with 133. <laughs> Best of the Glamorgan bowlers was Scotland's Radiri Smith. He took four for 75. Radiri Glamorgan was set. Smith. Yeah, that's his spending and that was his name. <laughs> I'm probably Rotisserie not pressing that Smith. Way. Yeah. Glamorgan was set 434 to win. They got rolled for 200. No one got past 40. Usman top scored with 38. Best of the North Ants bowlers was Sri Lanka's Sukij Prasanna, who took four for 49. North Ants, 21 points. Glamorgan, 5. So uh, we, next up, we've got Leicester beat Derby by 6 wickets. Leicester chose the field. Uh, Derby made 245. Uh, nothing really interesting there. Uh, in reply, Leicester made 297. Uh, Fatty Cosgrove got 35. Hey. Fat bastard. Uh, the Derby bowling attack was led by Tony Mafioso Palladino, who took 4 for 64. <laughs> Uh, in the second innings, Derby made 184. Um, main, just, main destroyer with the ball was Muhammad Abbas, who took 6 for 54. This left Leicester 133 run, runs for victory. They passed it four wickets down. Uh, South Africa's Colin Ackerman top scored with 58. Fat Guts got four runs. And <laughs> Leicester got 21 points. Derby got four. Fat guts. <laughs> uh, so Warwickshire beat Durham by 86 runs. Uh, Warwickshire batted first. They made 424. Uh, the main destroyer there was 170. Not out from Jonathan. Have bat, won't travel trot. Ah, uh, Durham bowlers Chris um, Rushworth and Matt Salisbury got four each. Uh, the main issue being it was four for 101 and four for 111. <laughs> Uh, the rim job took one for 81 for Durham. Durham made 297 in reply. Uh, the Care Bear Tommy Latham made 50 and rim job made 32. Uh, Warwick's best bowler was the nobleman, Oliver Hannon Dolby, who picked up four oh, for yeah. 61. Uh, second innings, Warwickshire declared at 185. Trot made 53. Rim job got one for 40. So Durham was set 313 to win but fell 86 short. Rim job made 61. Jesus. Yeah. Pick of the Warwickshire bowlers was New Zealand off spinner Jitam Patel, who took six uh, for eighty-three. Yeah. Well, not, quite a, not quite a Ginsu. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Warwickshire got twenty-three, Durham got four. So last up we had uh, Kent flogged Middlesex by three hundred and forty-two runs. Oh. The best six. So hard as a Kent said chose to bat first. They made two hundred and forty-one, with the runs being shared and no one really standing out. Pick of the missionary. Missionary positions bowlers was James Fuller, who took four for 86. Big Hack took two for 41 for Middlesex. Ah, oh, the neck. Middlesex then proceeded to get rolled for 56. Oh, Shut up. That's no, that's a, typo. And that's big, a typo. And Big Hack made nine. Oh, probably top scored. Good so all it, performance. So even more shocking in this situation, Kent didn't enforce the follow-on and they batted oh. again. Was Steve War captain? <laughs> Possibly. So they posted two eighty one the second time around. The highlight being WA born Englishman Grant Stewart who made hundred and three. Oh, my boy lives next door to him. So he made hundred and three. 
batting at number 10. Whoa. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So, Middlesex bowlers shared the wickets with Big Hank got three for 33. Tim, I'm too old for this shit. Murtar took three for 53. <laughs> and Ravi yeah. Patel got three for 58. Middles- Middlesex was set the un- it, an unenviable task of chasing 467. And they didn't even get close, being rolled for 124 and losing Ooh. by a mammoth 342 runs. Gee. Go and fuck yourself, fellas. Big Hank made four. <laughs> Ah, he done his bit. Uh, Harry, po- Harry Podmore did the damage for Kent, taking six for thirty-six. So at the end of so so at the end of that, so the standings currently are Warwickshire on top, Kent second, Leicester's third, Sussex fourth, Middlesex fifth, Derby, Durham, North Anscombe, Morgan, and Gloucester pulling up the rear there. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna quickly I know it's, it's been a bit longer than the two read, but I've got the T20 up until this point. It's been good though. It's so been I'm gonna entertaining. I'm just gonna run through the T20. I haven't put every game in because it was there's been a lot of games. Obviously, just tried to pick out the games that have something interesting or at least have an Aussie in them. So uh, the T20 now instead of being called the NatWest Finger Blast, it is called the Vitality Blast. Oh, right. shut up. Which sounds like a really <laughs> dodgy section of Pornhub, but anyway, we'll run Fuck with it. Oath. Yeah. <laughs> so the old, the old VB blast uh, kicked off on <laughs> July the 4th. So a quick rundown of how it's set up. It's very similar to the one-day comp, the Royal London Cop, where you have the north and the south groups based on where the, where the clubs are situated graphi- uh, geographically. Uh-huh. Um, so we won't go on... Well, I won't touch on everything, but we'll start off. So on July 4th, the Birmingham Bears, who are Warwickshire. So they're the only side, for some reason, in the t- one days in the T20s, they are Warwickshire. They're the, ba- they're the Birmingham Bears. The Bearcats? Yeah, for some reason. So they beat... Not West by, Warwickshire Bearcats. <laughs> so they beat, they beat Nottingham by uh, eight wickets. Ian Bell made 82, not out for the Bears. Still uh, going. Yeah, he's still kicking. Uh, and Leicester also played North Ants. They knocked them off. Uh, the big fella Colin Ackerman um, and Fat Guts Cosgrove were, did the damage there. Uh, ben, oh, fuck it. I mean, Duckett made 96. <laughs> uh, so over in the South group, Sussex beat Essex thanks to 5 for 24 from David Weiss. Yeah, that's oh, a good Bullock Fifer. Yeah. Uh, Middlesex <laughs> took the points against Surrey thanks to my man, the big Irish lad, Paul Sterling. He took 3 for oh, 26. Yeah. And made 66. So right under the big fella. Big Hank also got the runs for Middlesex, making 38. So next day we saw Worcester knocked off Lanks. Lanks, Aussie pairs, James fucking Faulkner. Came back Shut from, up. So he came back from the wilderness to make a stunning four. And take <laughs> one, for a, one for 35. And he only said 135 then. That'd be fair for the four overs. He took one for 35 or four overs. And Joe Manny, if any, took one for 34. If anyone can go for 135 or four overs, it would be James Faulkner. In the days of the match, Yorkshire beat Durham on the back of 90 runs from Adam Life. For those of you who don't know what Adam Life looks like, he looks like oh. he, he looks like he's got al- um, that... What's that shit where you got no hair on your head? Alopecia. Alopecia, that's what it is. And he's about 30 and he looks like he's about fucking 70. He looks like a he looks like a sucked cashew is what he looks yeah, like. That's exactly what he looks like. I was gonna say he looked like somebody it looked like a lollipop that's been sucked on too much, but yeah, same. Yeah, a, a melted gumboot sort yeah. of stuff. <laughs> uh, so Rim Job played for Durham, he took none for thirty one and didn't get a bat. 
Boxing Ben Stokes made 90 for Durham but didn't have a bowl. That is a great nickname. Boxing Ben Stokes. Oh, yes, please. So he made 90 but he didn't have a bowl. Maybe his hands were still sore. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> July 6th, we saw some Aussies in action. Somerset got the better of Gloucester, who were captained by one of the show's favourites, Maxi Klinger. Ah, oh, there he is, friend of the show. So Maxi made 21. One of Bulls' all-time favourites, Peter Trago, made 72. Not out for Somerset. Oh, I love him. Love him. Uh, Durham beat Leicester. Rimjob got 14 not out and took two for 16 for Durham. Fatty Cosgrove was run out for eight. Fuck run me, out, he got run out. Who'd have thunk it? Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Knocked me down with a fucking feather. Oh, my word. Uh, man of the match was Ginsman, Imram Tahir, who took four for 14. Oh, ah. yeah. Village. <laughs> uh, not beat North Ants on the back of a ton from Ginsman and the Not Skipper. DC, Dan Christian. I love him. He made a blistering 113 off 40 balls. Shut up. So for the mathematicians who love to listen to us, that is a strike rate of 282.5. So his 37-ball century, as Ginn said, was the second fastest in domestic English cricket history. Fucking hell. Uh, Kent beat Sari, man of the match was uh, Kent's Joe Denley, made 103 at the top of the order and took 3 for 31, not a bad day. Mm. Uh, Ross's man and Sari, Sari skipper, Jay Dernbach, took 2 for 32 and Sorry made a duck. skipper? Yep. Oh, uh, Langs beat Derby on the back of a ton from their skipper, Liam Livingston. Uh, Essex beat Middlesex, Zampa took 1 for 21 for Essex and Big Hank made 27 not out for the Sexes. Uh, oh, the neck. The Glamorgan beat the Hampshire. Sean Marsh <laughs> opened the batting with his half-brother, Usman Kamashwa. Hey. Neither made more than 15. Ah. Bullshit. No. Uh, Lance beat North Ants. Uh, James, what? He's still playing Faulkner. Took one for 18. And didn't bat. And I've got in this, beside that, in, ca- in brackets, cabbage. Uh yeah, good point. Yeah, Knox beat Leicester, DC made 47, Sussex beat Glamorgan, Sussex skipper, and the man the Melbourne Stars tried to retire, Luke Wright, made 88. <laughs> the Kamashwa brothers opened again for Glamorgan, Sean got 10 and Usman got 24. Michael Hogan is still kicking around for Glamorgan, and he took one for 21. Jesus. Uh, Gloucester beat Middlesex, uh, Maxi Klinger got 58 for Gloucester, Big Hank got 24 for Middlesex. Next Nick. day, Gloucester knocked... Off hard as a Kent's head. Maxi only got 10. Uh, Surrey beat Essex. Aaron Finch was back. So around this time in the tournament, all the start of a few more Australians got involved because they'd finished up that series in Zimbabwe. So uh, yep. Finchie's at Surrey. He got 58. Nick Madison is also at Surrey. And he made a blistering three. Adam, mm-hmm. uh, so Zampa's at Essex. <laughs> he took two for 20, including Finchie's wicket. Uh, Worcester got the win over North Ants. Travis, the job head, made, tw- made 37 ah. for Worcester. Uh, Dylan Pennington, with the bowling figures of the tournament so far, took four for nine for Worcester to take home the $5 yeah. M- Macca's voucher in the man of the match. Yes, <laughs> That's his Davy Smalls, four for. Uh, York, so Yorkshire beat Durham. Rim job got one for 31. Knott's beat Derby. DC made 62 and took three for 34. Wow. He's having Good a tournament. renaissance over there at the moment. Oh, Halcyon. He's uh, never left. It can't be a renaissance if you're always there dominating. <laughs> <laughs> calm down. Fucking hell, mate. You know you can't, have his, you can't have his babies, mate. Just calm down. Yeah. Uh, 
Leicester knocked off the Birmingham Bears with Mark six sausage rolls. Thanks, Cosgrove making forty-two. Oh yes, please. Uh, Eighty-four piece feed, please, sir. And Ben, when it pours, it rains. Had a day out <laughs> making one hundred thirteen and taking two for twenty-eight. Did you say one hundred thirteen? Yeah. That's not a bad knock at a fucking uh, T20 environment, yeah. Mm. Uh, Glamorgan beat Essex. Samper made one with the stick and took ah. three for 17. Usman oh, yeah, made 28 for Glamorgan and Mick Hogan took two for 22. Around this time, Sean Marsh got injured playing for Glamorgan and they think he may have done his ACL. So if you want to know more about that, they have this thing on computers now called the internet. Look at fucking up. Um, <laughs> can, we, um, can we just rewind? Yeah. Sean Marsh got injured. Yeah, I know. Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. Who would have thought that? Yeah. yeah. The crazy thing was it was his shoulder, not his hamstring or his calf. Ah. Yeah, that is. He, he is an old bastard, though. He is an old bastard. Uh, so, on July the 13th, Surrey beat Sussex on the back of a massive 131 of 79 balls from our man Aaron Finch. Oh, that's a Davy. That's a Davy 100, that one. Uh, Maddinson was out for LBW for seven. Uh, July 14th saw Lanks beat Derby with absolutely no help from nothing doing. James Faulkner took none for 27 and made a duck. Yeah, well played. Good game. Uh, Durham beat Birmingham. Uh, Rimjob took one for 36. Fuck, he takes a lot of one fers. Uh, Yorkshire beat Worcester on Travis. Come on, Dahl. It's just a little head. Made 23. Yes. Yes. And uh, Trav took a wicket as well. Uh, Durham beat Notts. DC got 32 and went for none for 42 off his four. There's the end of your... There's the end of your... On what he's always on. Uh, NZ Come K- on, Dahl. It's just a little... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, NZ Care Bear, Tommy Latham made 98 for Durham and the rim job got two for 35. So that is right up to date as of yesterday. So the standings in the nice. North group... Uh, you got Lanks and Worcester are equal first with four wins each. Well, they're first and second, but they got four wins each. Uh, then you got Knotts, Yorkshire and Durham are all on three wins. Leicester and Birmingham have two. And the bottom is Derby and North Ants who have no wins. In the South group, Kent and Sussex and Gloucester all have three wins at the top of the table. Surrey's got two. Glamorgan's got two. Middlesex, Somerset, Essex have one. And Hampshire is winless at this point. And that is us all up to date in English, County and T20 cricket. Good work, just before man. you move on, just before you move on, Ross, um, with the Birmingham thing, I believe there was a, a pretty strong appetite when the BBL got into its stride to have English cities do their sort of franchise model. Yeah. And maybe the maybe the Birmingham Bears have gone the early crow and just said, well, that's what we'll be doing for the um, NatWest uh, finger blast or whatever it's called now. So uh, good on them for getting on the front foot and saying, well, if you want us to go to a city-based um, franchise model, we're going to do it now instead of waiting for you pricks to tell us what to do. Yeah, so my understanding of that is that the counties have dug their heels in because if they go to the franchise model, they want to pull back the teams. Yeah. So, the county, oh, okay. so there will be counties who will miss out. So yeah, they're, yeah. apparently they're fighting tooth and nail not to have it go to that system. Right. Can't they just mm. say we're not going to uh, pull out the teams? <laughs> oh, like you could. Solution. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. But then again, you know, if the appetite's there from you know, ECB, they'll make the final decision. And yeah. you know, you'll get a Canberra Comets type arrangement popping up <laughs> as opposed to the ACT Comets. That's why they've yeah. got the 100, because the counties want T20 to remain. <clears throat> 
Oh, okay. Ah. So there'll still be county T20 next year. So let's do and more. Uh, let's do more 20 over games, but do it yeah. state based. Ah, uh, city based. Sorry. Oh, so the hundreds like home brand T20. Yeah. <laughs> Black and gold T20. <laughs> yeah, Franklin's fresh. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, Mick. I believe you've got right, some. Right, move us on, Ross. Yeah. Canada T20 information for us. I do. It's a bit long winded. If you want to listen to me again, but I can quickly run through it for no. you. <laughs> Mate, I always, I always want to listen to you. I'm the going... only person who actually researched any of these podcasts. Hey, hey, hey! No. Wikipedia doesn't count. What am I fucking move... invisible? Um, uh, yeah. I'll just, I'll quickly, leave. I'll just quickly fill in what happened there. So, um, we've talked, we've been talking about it a lot. There's been a T20 tournament in Canada. It's basically mm-hmm. the the Canadian Cricket Association, or whatever they're called, has been doing it in cooperation <laughs> with the with the West Indies Cricket Board. So the tournament kicked off uh, on June the 28th and the finals played on July the 15th. Uh, the end of the regular season matches saw Vancouver um, and the West Indies B both. They finished one and two with four wins each. Then three and four was Winnipeg and the Edmonton Royals. Then fifth was Montreal and sixth was Toronto. So the final system was uh, saw the top four teams play off. So it was the old one play two with the winner going straight in the final. The loser of that game played the winner of a th- of three four in a prelim to make the final. Yep. So West Indies B beat Vancouver to go straight into the granny. Winnipeg knocked off Edmonton to take on Vancouver in the prelim. Prelim got past Winnipeg and went on to play the West Indies B in the grand final. Vancouver won the grand final by seven wickets to be crowned the first global T Twenty Canada champions. Hey, and uh, just going to quietly say, uh, Vancouver is my city. By the way, been there a couple of times, fellas, in case you haven't heard. Oh, have you? Uh, yeah, just quietly. And um, I watched the, I watched the final. Um, I'm not sure if we mentioned it because I was taking a piss, but the catch that Chris Gale took... Oh, amazing. Oh, yeah. Fucking unbelievable. Yeah, I know we shared it on our podcast page, but just the old... Um, he went Tubby Taylor style by dropping a simple catch and then making it look insanely hard. The crazy <laughs> thing was the way like it went into like his left hand and he bobbled it and instead of like going again with his left, he reached across his body with his right yeah. and grabbed it. it was, he like, went proper uh, Snapdragon Vetus Flytrap yeah. style and just sort of <laughs> snuck it, didn't he? Yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's on our Facebook page. Give it a look because it's a pretty amazing piece oh, of work. that's good. That's that's a good call back to yeah. social media, Michael. So yeah. we'll, um, influencer. So we'll quickly just touch on some of the performances from the Aussies in the tournament, and just and some yeah, just had... other interesting facts about some of the guys that we know about from the BBL and things like that. How'd Dave Warner go? Not. Uh, you'll hear. It's not very well. Uh, so, <laughs> so first off, I just want to give a quick shout out to um, the West Indies B all rounder Sherfane in Rutherford. Who scored 134 of 66 balls at a strike rate of Ooh. 200, and that was the Ooh. first and only ton in the whole tournament. So well done to him. Shit. So at the end of the at the end of the day, these numbers do include finals. So some blokes did play more games than others, but that's just life. Suck it up. Uh, the highest run scorer, <laughs> the highest run scorer for the tournament was Lendl Simmons. Oh, Lendl! Blast oh, from the past, Lendl Simmons. Yes. So he made 321 at an average of just over 45 at a strike rate of 140. So from what I understand, basically anything above, anything 120 and above for a strike rate is considered elite. Yep. So they don't really care about averages. It's more about strike rates in this form of cricket. 
Uh, so the next, the next best and the best of the Aussies was Ben McDermott, who got 224 mm. at a strike rate of 130. Pretty good from the B-Mac. Yeah, Moises. Sex tape. Yeah, Moises got 221, <laughs> strike rate of 113. Uh, Steve Smith got 167 at a strike rate of 119. Dave Warner got 109. At an average of 13 with a strike rate of 114. I'd just like to point out, in one innings, he scored 55. So if you take that out, he got, what's that? That's 54 <laughs> across five innings or something like that. He, take the fuck walk, David. He stunk it the fuck up, is what he did. He was even captain of some of the, he kept. He was actually captain of Winnipeg for some of these games. So even though he was a fucking abysmal disgrace... Winnipeg still made the finals and were only one win away from making it into the granny. So they did well carrying that big hunk of fucking shit around with them. So good on them. Jesus. Um, ben Dunk Jeez, was, ben Dunk was playing. you turned on Dave Warner. Jeez. So, yeah, so Ben Dunk was playing. He made 66. He only played four games and he went at a strike rate of 126. What do you mean he only played 66 in four games is fucking abysmal? Yeah, I'm the same, but he didn't play as many as like Warner and that. Yeah, so. no, nah, that's true. Good uh, so some of the yeah, other show favourites, Andre the Love Muscle made 185. He was only dismissed once, so he had an average of 185, so that was the end of oh, well. That was good. Well and he, had a, he had a strike rate of 217. So he didn't, make, he didn't make many, but he made them at a fucking rapid pace anyway. Yeah. Uh, the world boss, Chris Gale, took that pearl of a catch that we were just talking about. <laughs> He made 144. He had a strike rate of just over 100. Uh, everything is champion, Dwayne Bravo. He only played three matches. Uh, he got 76 runs at a strike rate of 140, which is a pretty good goal yeah. as well. Uh, so we'll just quickly touch on some bowling as well. The best of the bowlers was um, Sheldon Cottrell from Vancouver. He took 16 wickets. At an, his economy was a little bit over eight, which isn't too bad for T20. No, it's, probably it's, a tu- it's probably a touch high, but it's not too bad. Uh, next up was our man, Farwad Ahmad, who took four, uh, 14, I should say, 14 wickets. His economy was 7.64, which is pretty good for a wrist spinner, so I, thought, I was pretty um, pretty happy with that. Uh, Pierre Siddle took 11 wickets at just over nine and over. Uh, he was on a hat-trick. I don't think you can mention Pierre Siddle without saying he was on a hat-trick at some stage. He got two In one game, he got two caught and bowls and was on a hat-trick and then bowled garbage for his third. And they were good caught and bowls. They two were good caught and bowls. fucking amazing. Um, the next best of the Aussie bowls was Moises, who took one wicket at an economy of 13 and a half. <laughs> Fuck Moises. Uh, so some of the other bowlers of note, uh, the old sidearm chucker Malinga took 13. He had an economy yeah. of six and a half. So that's pretty. That's yeah. very good. That's good for an ODI. Yeah, Love Muscle took ten at a just at just under eight and a half. Uh, Ginsman Muhammad Irfan got six wickets at hey, an economy of seven one. and a bit. So, uh, so basically, yeah. So that's it for the for the T Twenty for Canada. Well done to the Vancouver Knights and to my fi- former student Dave Warner. Well done. Not on your performance. That fucking stunk. But at least you didn't bully anyone into doing something to tarnish their career. So well done. Yep. And oh, that you, is the Global T20. Thank you, Mick. Thank Very you, insightful Mick. as always. Hand over now to Alec for some around the ground. All right, fellas. Two weeks in this a row. This better be good. Mick was <laughs> good. You better be good. I'll be long as well. That's, I think, the theme of today. Uh, we've been about 40 minutes, so don't be too long, mate, please. So I'll be talking today in, around the Grass Valley um, on the <laughs> Junction Oval, which is in Lakeside Drive. 
And as you know, David, you can smell the whiskey burning down Lakeside Drive. Oh, that's what I've always smelt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, in St Kilda, which is where Junction Oval resides. Um, formerly scum of the there. earth, St Kilda, but I'm now gentrified. And uh, as one article I read, uh, the latte sniffers came in and ruined it. <laughs> Mate, <laughs> this is a cricket yeah. podcast, not a real estate podcast. Move the fuck on. Okay, well, I do estimate the Junction Oval land value at about $45 million. Yeah, well, that yeah. means nothing coming from you, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> hey, deposit from my house sale just came through. Mate. Ah. We were talking to an uh, entrepreneur, <laughs> uh, oh, r- real estate mogul. Yeah. Mogul and influencer right here. Uh, <laughs> Influence this podcast by hurrying the fuck up. It was literally the sale of my house that burst, burst the Melbourne property bubble. Right? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay, so the Junction Oval, fellas. Can we have a guess at the end names? St Kilda Road End. Ooh, close, Mick. St Kilda Beach End. Close, Bull. Hunt Road mm. End. No, not close. The Lunar Park End. Oh no! It's John, near Luda Park. The John Blackie Blake. Ironmonger stand-in. Ah. Oh, very good. We'll be talking about that later. So it is the, the St Kilda city Trevor end, Barker end, the City end, and the St Kilda end. Very oh. boring end names. Yes, yeah, very boring. Very much. So, so. Junction Oval was opened in 1856, and the first grandstand at the ground was uh, built after it was purchased from the old Elstonwick Racecourse. And it was erected in 1892. St Kilda Kilda Cricket Club Club have uh, played there since 1856 when it opened. They played a part in opening the ground. Um, Is that where Shane Warne played, Alex, please? It is where he played. He played, he debuted there. His first, first, first class game was there. Um, And he played in 1989. And he played there until, off and on, until 2006. Shit. Yes. So, uh, the, a new grandstand will go back in time again, guys, so closer to 1856. A new grandstand was built in 1925 at the cost of £7,000. Oh, uh, Jesus. designed by famous architect E.J. Clark and built by... My famous, favourite architect. Famous builder H.H. Eilenberg. Oh, my favourite builder. Yeah, so <laughs> it was originally called the J.P. Newman Stand... Of course but it was. It, but it got renamed the Kevin Murray stand after one of the Fitzroy Football Club's most famous footballers. A lot of Fs. Yep. A despite, second... the fact that, despite the fact that Fitzroy is nowhere near St Kilda or mm. the Junction Oval, but well done. Yep. No, but they did play a lot of games there. Keep going. Okay, a second stand designed by ah. EJ Clark again, Dave. My second favourite builder. It was built to complement the your first and second CJ Clark, couldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> it's to complement the Murray stand. And guess who it was built by, mate? Your favourite builder, H.H. Eilenberg. Double H. Eilenberg. That was built in 1933 at the cost of £7,500. Oh, yeah, my yeah. word, that's... Inflation hit hard back in 1926. <laughs> what, 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 were they, what year did they build the second one? Uh, 1933. Oh, OK. OK, you don't want to comment on that? Just want to know. No. Just, <laughs> I just wanted to check, check the dates. <laughs> OK. Are you reading straight off Wikipedia, mate? Or is that... No, no, I thought you said... Uh, not... 
I thought you said 1973. I was like, what? Oh, no, 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 33. Oh, sad. Um, Building materials cheap. As Ross mentioned earlier, listeners, it was named the Don Blackie Burnt Ironmonger Stand in honour of the St Kilda Cricket Club and Test Cricketers. Um, Up until very, very recently, i.e. 2017, it functioned as a public pavilion. Um, they got a, they got a new scoreboard, a manual one. Ross, you'll love to know this. At the cost of six thousand um, pounds, in nineteen fifty six fifty seven, it built and it still stands to this day. So the grandstand cost almost as much as the so the scoreboard. Sorry, cost almost yes. as much as the grandstand. Yes, yeah, well, they go play the fucking numbers. Twenty, 20 years, years later. later. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, keep going. Yeah. Uh, so mm. the, uh, uh, before the refurb, which I'll get into later, uh, the ground was terraced by asphalt, which is probably one of the worst um, mediums they could terrace it in. Yeah, yeah, probably. Mm. I don't know, dynamite wouldn't be very good. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> fucking dumb, that's so dumb. <laughs> but... Dumb but funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, just loose sand. That would be worse. Yeah. Fire. Just doing it with fire. Yeah. Yeah. Fire. Her- <laughs> heroin. You know. That <laughs> stuff, you know? Some people would say that's good. Book. We'll terrace this. Uh-huh. We'll terrace this grassy bank <laughs> into a sand dune. That'll work. Yeah. Yeah. Around the St Kilda area, they'd probably be screaming out for a heroin bank. You know yeah. what I mean? Fucking latte sniffers. Anyway. Yeah, keep going. Um, So, uh, as we spoke about earlier, Shane Warne had a long association with the St Kilda Cricket Ground, or Junction Oval. Um, There there was a push in 2010 to rename the ground the Shane Warne Oval. Oh, they should have. They fucking should have, the drug cheat. They should have named it after him. (laughs) (laughs) Drug cheat, uh, match fixer... No, he didn't fix matches. He gave information, Alex. Oh, okay. Don't ever profess (laughs) to know what happened in those times, mate. So, okay, sorry, I don't. So, as we know, I don't know much about cricket. But, though, (laughs) the the committee was just about to okay the uh, change of name to Shane Ward over, but then they found out he has a mirror on the ceiling above his bed. Yeah, they said, (laughs) fuck this guy. (laughs) And they've got a mural... They've got a mural of him hanging out with Greg Norman and uh, probably Steve Irwin or someone like that. <laughs> I heard that he that he knocked it back because they wouldn't make the picture shaped in the number twenty three for him. But oh, you just went quiet to me, so I guess that was hilariously funny. Yeah, it was. Let's all just laugh and we'll move on. <laughs> and, and Ross can cut it in. <laughs> Fucking gold, Mick. <laughs> so, um, so Kilda Creek Club played there since uh, inception. There's been um, 28 first-class cricket matches played there, including oh, 25 good. Sheffield Shield games. Yep. Um, the lack what, of upgrades. What other first-class o- games would there be? So uh, I imagine there'd be tests, or way back in the day, what, some at sort Junction of Oval, MCC, a test match? or maybe some MCC-based tours that were considered yeah, first-class. Yeah, good point. Move on. Sorry. Uh, maybe when it was the Pura Cup. Well, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that was still Sheffield Shield games. I thought, oh, okay, well, I don't know. It wasn't called Sheffield Shield, it was called Pure Cup. Anyway, <laughs> some of us are technically correct, some of us are just correct, so we'll just move on there. Um, but because of lack of upgrades in the Oval, that no first-class matches were played there after 2005. Oh, there was a couple. But there was uh, no first-class games played there since 2009 until this year. 
because mm. of the refurb. Um, football had obviously been played there, or Australian rules football. The um, record crowd at the ground was during a football match of 46,973 people. Well, can I just interject? Can I just interject for a second, Alex? No, but I'll let you. All right, given that we are now an international podcast for our uh, English brethren, um, yes. leave us a comment on Facebook around whether you've seen a AFL or Australian rules football game and let us know what you think. Gin, continue. Okay. So if you don't like ca- it, fuck off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so 46,000, if you've ever been at Junction Over, which I have, I can't believe they fit 46,000 people into it. Mm-hmm. Um, on the footy topic, uh, the first ever women's football match was played there in 1921, according to Wikipedia, which I call Wiki Shit. Wrong. Oh, yeah. here we go. Hold record... on, you spent your whole, you spent 72 or one episodes being on the Wikipedia teat, and now you're saying it's wrong. They got their pedia wrong about Wiki. Yeah, good so, call. Records exist of football sides in Perth. And Adelaide playing matches My as town. early as 1917 and 1918. In fact, there was a game in 1922, which is after 1921, of course. But yep, the reason why, reason why it comes into my memory is that the match ball got dropped to the ground in a Tiger Moth biplane. Oh. Shut <laughs> up! So again, a, 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 the junction <laughs> is a junction over Wikipedia page claiming that's the first ever women's game or the first women's game yeah, at the, the Oval. First women's football match, yes. Oh, in all of Australia, yeah. they're claiming that. Yes, they well, are. In okay. Victoria. Yeah. No, in all of Australia. Okay. So other random sports that got played at Junction Oval: uh, Smoker uh, Joe Frazier defeated Jimmy Ellis in 1975. S- how did he defeat him, you are? Via technical knockout. The worst form of knockout. <laughs> <laughs> um, was there a table tennis played at Junction No, there wasn't. Rope coins. <laughs> or no. <laughs> Rope coins. No, other par- no parlour games were played there, Rob. <laughs> 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 uh, there was the, the 1898 slash 99 Victorian athletic titles were placed there. Numerous bicycle meets and intercolonial lacrosse matches between Victoria and New South Wales were played there. As well as... Now, this is interesting. Bull, you know a bit more about rugby league than I do, but a rugby league trial match between Western Suburbs and Manly Warringah was staged there in 1978, and it was notable because... You probably already know this, but I didn't. It being the start of the infamous Fibros versus Silvertails rivalry. So talk us through that, please, mate. The Wests, the Wests are the fibros. I know that. Oh, are they? Okay. The manly are the silver tails. Different right. parts of the city of Sydney. Okay. Mm. Okay. Oh, anyway, so let's move on to the uh, new upgrades. Um, apparently, the new with the new upgrades, the capacity of the ground is 7,000, which um, calls into question the 49,000 people that rocked up to watch Carlton and St Kilda play. Uh, the... Development costs forty million dollars and will host the Victorian uh, cricket, cricket Victoria, Melbourne Stars, and Melbourne Renegades out of Junction Oval. So they've moved from, I think, the Cricket Australia headquarters in Jollymont. Our office. Yes, where you where you get the uh, feed from uh, Jono. Yeah, I have three desks now that everyone's moved. 
I'll tell you what, <laughs> six and a half pounds to $43 million, that's a, uh, oh, yeah. that's a fairly big jump in the last hundred years. Exactly. But you can buy a lot of dollars with pounds, so I guess that's where it is. So. Uh, <laughs> two point, I heard it's $2.2 to a pound. Yep, that's an that's an old butcher's joke. Uh, some of those guys who don't have the metric system. Oh, you just went out. like dark, so it was. I just went, yep. No, no. Oh, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, I'm just telling a good story. <laughs> so <laughs> happy days, mate. Uh, it's my it's my time of the hour now, so shut the fuck up. Yeah, no, the <laughs> promise right. will get it, but keep moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Melbourne Cricket Club contributed 15 mil of this 40 mil, which is interesting. We was like, Good let's enough. get this Cricket Victoria scum out of our fucking ground. I'll give you $15 million to do so. <laughs> I love how it's called the Melbourne Cricket Ground, but the scum have to get out. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, it's called the City Power Centre, which is the home of Cricket Victoria. State-of-the-art facility, guys. Year-round elite tra- training base for Victoria's best cricketers, as well as a hub for community cricket. So, we'll be there. Well, we're the we're pretty much the kings of community cricket. So, yeah. yep. I actually, um, Ross, did you get an email during the week asking uh, us to move our mid-off headquarters from Jollymont to the uh, new Junction Oval setup? No, I did get one about the oval upgrade at Moorabbin. Yep. Yeah. Not relevant. Are we going there, are we? <laughs> As a mid-off podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that either, Bull. I just got an email saying that my car had its headlights on, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got one. I got I got an email during the week from James Sutherland saying, "Stop fucking emailing me, you idiot." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that fell flat. Kept going. Yeah, because yep, he, yep. he cut out again. You cut out all the time. Every time you have a good wide scrape, you cut out. It's great. They've all both right, been so funny. This ground, <laughs> the field is expected to host Sheffield Shield Women's National Cricket League matches, WBBL, and Premier Cricket. The upgrade also helped secure group games for the Women's ICC World T20 when the tournament oh, comes good. in 2020. Woo-hoo. I've actually booked flights back for that because oh, I, yeah. think, I think that'll be a cracker. I've extended my V-line pass until T2020 so I can get the V-line <laughs> up from Torquay. I, um, I made light of uh, the ODI World Cup being in Victoria and uh, at the MCG. Uh-huh. And I said it was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But <laughs> I think I think with the WT20 World Cup being there, I, I might even extend it to a twice-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Wow, that's pretty big for you, mate. Yeah, <laughs> keep going. Let's not get too uh, deep into my personal life. All right, okay. So the new centre includes a 10-lane indoor cricket centre with... Full performance analysis technology, guys. Oh, so video cameras? Well, it's the same system I use to perform to analyse our performance on the podcast. Which is shit. Why well, don't do anything? <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Two outdoor pra- practice wicket facilities comprising, wait for it, fifty six wickets. Shut oh, up. Fifty six. No wonder it doesn't fit 50,000 people in it anymore. Everything's fucking cricket pitches. <laughs> Fuck, those net sessions must be good. <laughs> Have they got 56 bowling machines? I was like... going to say, three three bowlers per net, 56 nets. <laughs> that's that's a lot of bowlers. <laughs> that's 68 bowlers. Yeah. There you go. Thank you, Ross. I knew you'd know. It makes right, the whole... So it makes Imagine. the old don't turn your back on the nets pretty fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> 
Au, 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 au. And imagine the St Kilda Cream Club like committee sitting down. Okay, how many sides we got this year? Uh, seventeen. Four. No, <laughs> 17 we've got four sides. sides. We've oh, got lucky 56 we got fifty six wickets. <laughs> Um, it has anyway. medical and rehab facilities, including a gym and an indoor aquatic centre. Yep. Um, it has a function space to sit 220 people and to hold 350 in a cocktail capacity. That's for the right of metal, mate. Or, oh, I guess which it's is the brand lower. That's the brand lower Premier Cricket, which you wouldn't know again, but that's what it is. Yeah, okay. Oh, well, I've won a um, comp. Uh, award, so I, I do know you great is, Bull yeah. is that yeah. named after Fat Guts Jesse Ryder from New Zealand uh, no but, but weirdly I, um, yes the, can I tell you a little story about the uh, Ryder middle first um, time I first time I ever met friend of the show Tim Lindeman whose reptile brother we played with and was a serious after hours specialist yes um, I met his brother in the uh, company of the Ryder medalist. I forgot his name now. But at the Ruba after my 2009-10 premiership at West Ivano. Right. So he'd, he'd come down to celebrate with us and bought the Ryder medalist with him, who was a big lug of a man, and but apparently dominated Premier Cricket that year. So that's oh, nice. a little cool. story about the Ryder medal. Yep. Were you at the Ruba that night, Gim? Uh, no, nah, yeah. he was in Tasmania, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think I was either wearing shorts or a suit, so I wasn't allowed in. <laughs> um, oh, so there will be a refurbishment of the historic Blackie Ironmonger Stand, including new change room for St Kilda Creek Club and other community use. Um, okay, and this is nearing the end of this segment, and it's Thank the fuck. best part of the segment, as you know, guys. When it ends. We look on to the Google reviews. <laughs> oh, yes, please. Right. Five stars. Zero, zero out of ten junkies sleeping in the stands. <laughs> uh, from Broad Smith. Five stars. Yep. Loved watching Bernie Quinlan booting goals at this place. <laughs> <laughs> that was in the 50s. 1980s. All right, <laughs> Lucas Marchant, four stars. The hooks is the historical significance of this place never ceases to amaze me. Firstly, oh, yeah. the secret meeting place of significant politicians during the First World War, and then oh, the shit. birthplace of the Melbourne Storm Rugby League Club. <laughs> and then one star from Mr. Ed. Nothing to see here except memories. Wow, it's right. the ground's fucking fault, but. I think uh, Mr. Ed... What's, um, what's a talking the, horse doing reviewing a grand anyway? I oh, know. I think Mr. Ed um, <laughs> helped right under the bridge by... Uh, <laughs> oh, geez, or over the bridge by Red the West Chili Specialists. Yeah. He was one of the guys shooting up there in the, uh, the Blackie Eyemonger stand, I reckon. Uh, Alex, we're yes, a big mate. podcast these days, international. That's probably close to slander, mate. What? That Mr. Red was shooting up? Yeah. Well, he has 199 reviews, and he reviewed this about a year ago. I you missed... can't shoot up with hooves. You can't. I <laughs> missed Ed just got upset because he's walking around, and someone went up to him and said, Hey, mate, what a long face. Mm. <laughs> that is the uh, Around the Grounds Alex for this week, fellas. I think it was quite good. Um, I, thought, I thought I was good, but well done. I thought you were pretty shit because you kept blanking out, so all of your... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> All your punchlines were missed. So thanks, Ken. That was Wait great. To the recording. Oh, thank you, mate. No thanks worries. for jumping in finally. I was padding here until <laughs> yeah, you yeah. said something. Oh, you know me. Well, we move now yes, from, from that to some BBL news. And the Big Bash League fixture has been revealed. There'll be two matches on Christmas Eve. And there'll be games oh, on the yes. Gold Coast. Would you believe? Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So Metricon? The, yes, the get, season runs from December 19th to Feb 17th. It's yeah. a big season. Yeah, oh, it's a massive big. season. So that's part of the problem of getting international players in because it's so yeah. long. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. That is a problem, Ross. I agree. Mm-hmm. That is part of the problem. You get a good um, mix of probably Northern Hemisphere players, Ross. Maybe, Maybe. the yeah. Asian continents and probably the English guys might be able to get in there. Never know. BBL match will be staged simultaneously with a home test day four of Australia's day-night test against Sri Lanka. Happening at the Gabba, <laughs> Melbourne Stars will face the Brisbane Heat, the MCG. Intriguingly, that game we held at the same time as the men's final of the Australian Open, just over the road at the Rod Laver Arena. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Someone in cahoots, you reckon, Ross? I don't know. It's, uh, uh, yeah, that, that precinct will be flat out. Yeah, the first 36 days of the tournament will see 42 matches played, seven double headers, and a triple header on January yes. 13th. Oh, I love that. We love a good double header, guys. Yeah. Oh, I love a triple header. Matches ease off as we get into late January with 18 games to be played in the last 24 days of competition. As we tick into February, there's games Thursday to Sunday. No games uh-huh. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. BBL well, I'm putting it out there right now, Ross, mm-hmm. before you continue. Um, let's be honest, the Perth Courchers will be in the final because it's a BBL are. tournament. Yep. And yep. I'm I'm renting out my spare room for 200 bucks a night for that night. Uh, <laughs> so if you guys want to be a part of that, 200 bucks each, and you can all sleep in bunk beds in my spare room. Oh. <laughs> I love a good bunk bed. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. We could probably have a double header in the bunk bed, fellas. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Move on, Ross. Yeah. <laughs> Games return to Alice Springs and Launceston as they did last season for the first time. Mm. The semi-finals remain the Shipfish semi-finals with 1v4 and 2v3. Oh, that's fucked. Oh, no. So, having a qu- running a quick eye over things, you may remember that uh, there's a bit of angst because... Games used to start at 7.40 at different times of the tournament due to the project. Ah. Yes, but they've been wound Your favourite show. And um, games basically start at 7.15 all the way through the tournament. So that's good news. Um, yeah, so that makes more sense because that's the whole bullshit of it. Like, you can't fixture a competition around a fucking TV show. No one gives a fuck about mm. it. So instead of being stooged by the project, now you can say whether you like Foxtel or not, but people will be pissed off when it comes to the first Saturday and the there's two games, a double header, 3.30 and 6pm, and both of them are on Foxtel. People will yeah. be pissed off. Anyway, that's how it's done. Um, the other highlights include the, the late game out of Perth, so a 9.30pm start some, some nights. 6.30 for us over here. Yeah, so if you want to stay up on the East Coast till midnight to watch T20, you can. Boxing Day is going to be an interesting day. Perth Scorchers play a game at 4.15 local time, so 7.15 uh, East Coast time. 
which is then followed by a WBBL game, which kicks oh, off oh, nice. Perth time 7.45, so back in East Coast, it kicks off at 10.45 p.m. Oh. <laughs> if you want to watch cricket if you're, um, through to whenever. You're in the Yuletide spirit, yeah, you'll watch it, it right? Or you can watch the Boxing Day test at 10.30 a.m., through to the WBBL yeah. finishing at about half past one or something. So, mm. there you go. Fuck, I love that. Yeah. Oh, I actually quite like that. Mm. It's also, you'll be happy to know, on New Year's Day, there's a double-header, David. Oh, there you, you go, know, Dave. Ross, yeah. Ross, yep. we've had this conversation oh, many probably times. the last ten years yes. that we've known each other. Yes. I've always wanted cricket on... January 1, yes. when I'm hung as a fucking absolute <laughs> arsehole and I wake up at, you know, 6pm, yep. I want to turn on the telly and there's a game of cricket right there for me. You'd be happy to know there's a game at 2.45 and a game at 7.15 on that day. Well, I'll be awake for the yeah. 7.15. So there's, um, there's apparently they were reporting on the radio too that the whole idea behind the Christmas Eve games is to ease people into the idea and... Oh, as I say, the whole idea behind the Christmas Eve games is to ease people into the idea of cricket at that time, and then they're going to have Christmas Day games next year. All right. So oh, well, no. the NBA do it. Well, the NBA play games on Christmas Day. Oh, it's, it's massive in America. The Christmas oh. the Christmas Day games are seen as like prestigious games if you're one of those teams because they have about five games on at once, and they try to keep the more um, well-known teams in them. And like, like the Knicks got booted from it. Last year, because they haven't been playing very well. Yeah, for mm. our uh, for our northern hemisphere fans, uh, uh, Christmas in Australia is basically uh, forty degree weather. Uh, that's Celsius, not your weird uh, Fahrenheit shit that you northern hemisphere chippies run. <laughs> and you sort of have a couple of beers, and then about four o'clock, yeah, well, plenty. Uh, four o'clock comes around, and you're bored of your family because you want to smash them, just because you know, they're, they're your cousins. You don't really like them; they're just people, right? And then, and then you go, "What the hell am I going to do from four until midnight? Put the fucking cricket on, prop, and it's good weather for it. Put the cricket on. That's long yeah, saying, sorry. The thing too is that, like the way the way like we talk Australian Christmases are most Australian Christmases. The lunch is the big thing. Like I know in my family it is anyway. Yeah, now same here, Mick. the lunch is the big thing. So BBL plays into this perfectly because you go seven o'clock at night, bang, everyone's had enough. Everyone just wants to sit on the couch and do nothing. You've had yeah, a gut full of you've had a gut full of piss, or you've had a gut full of turkey, or whatever it is you have, and you just watch the cricket. Happy days. Yeah, whack your hands down your strides, cup your uh, <laughs> cup your big ones, and you just go put the. <laughs> Put the cricket on for a couple of hours. Dale, that's that's what you want. I think it's a winner anyway. And I think the sooner when they go to it, it'll be because the people go. Oh, you won't get crowds. You'll get massive crowds. Oh, yeah. they'll be huge. Mm. They'll be huge crowds. There also is a lot of expat people in Australia that don't celebrate Christmas. Yeah, that would probably like something to do because they well. It, I think it's uh, big Muslim communities go to the zoo during Christmas. It's their, the zoo's biggest day in Melbourne. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, because nothing else is open or there's nothing else to do, so everyone just goes to the zoo. It's great. I didn't know that. I did not know that, but that would be a great opportunity for other communities, yes. as well as people like me who celebrate Anglo holidays without being overly Christian. 
I would yeah. I would go to a game of cricket on Christmas Day. If they're playing cricket uh, AFL on Good Friday and rugby league. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. At seven o'clock, just treat it like another another day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I suppose it's a, a, a public that, holiday. That's all it is. A day that you've had off, you've sucked a bit of piss, and then you want to go and watch a, a sporting code later on in the day. Yeah. That makes sense to me, and uh, wait to see that happen. Uh, other highlights include uh, the oh yes the <clears throat> Melbourne. Uh, Stars versus the Renegades is on January the 1st, so that could be a massive crowd at the MCU. Yeah, that could be humongous. That will be big. Mm. There's a little bit of a a slowdown for the uh, ODIs, but there's only three of them, so teams get to keep their players for longer and won't lose all the players as usually happened in other times when uh, five or six ODIs came along. Yeah. That'd be good. Uh, Adil Rashid could be going to the Melbourne Stars, according to rumours. Oh, shit. Mm. Hobart Hurricanes have got Jofra Archer back on board, and our man, Tymel Mills. Oh, fucking shit. <laughs> and uh, the Care Bear, Brendan McCullum's back at the Brizzy Heat. Yeah. Boo. Ross, Ross, can I just say that I've liked what the uh, BBL have done with the fixture? Mm-hmm. They've gone from, we're going to be a school holiday sort of... Uh, afterthought into a you know sort of year December uh, January almost February type powerhouse yeah, well, and they've just gone you know yeah. the product's good enough now that we can just put it where we want to put it right I agree with what they did BBL02 they started about the 9th of December and it was wrong no one was interested because yeah. it was just the wrong time but I actually think they've got it right it is a long tournament but it's a proper sporting code season yeah. Which, what they need to do, as we keep saying it though, is have a proper final system, not this one game. Yes. And it's one more game. Yeah. It's one more game. Yeah, and, one plays two, yeah. three plays four. Yeah. I, know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is that they've got the finals on Thursday, Friday, Sunday. We saw last year when there was the Saturday night uh, T20 International at the SCG, players flew from there on the Sunday morning to get to the Adelaide Oval to play in the final. Yeah. You could could have games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You could have your four finals you need. No problem. The players would be playing one city, fly the next morning, play that night in another city. It's just not a problem. Yeah. The finals. You don't need... No, it's it's, it's not that big a deal. You see it all the time. Like in America in the baseball, they do it all the time. They'll play three games in one city against each other. Then they'll be playing like the next day in another part of the country, they'll play another three games in a row. Like, it's... Yeah, spot on. Like, and, and T20 is effectively... is like baseball. It's like that... It's exactly the it's, same game. Yeah, it's that shorter format. You base the... You're, as a Glenn Maxwell, you're going to probably bat maybe five or six overs. You're going to bowl four overs and you're going to field a bit. Yep. Like, it's not this super intense, like, test batting, opening the batting and trying to bat for 50 overs type game. So... Yeah. No, you just have yeah. the crack, aren't you? There's no reason you can't play back-to-back days and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. Agreed. Yeah. Well, there's some road trips I'm looking at here, like the Strikers are in Sydney on Tuesday, then Launceston on Thursday. That's yeah. fine, but you're right. They could, and particularly if it's a one-off, like if the if the structured season is like that where you always get at least one day break, but then finals, you know you might have to turn it around quickly, that's fine. They can yeah. prepare for that. Yeah, 
Yeah. You don't mind a quick turnaround in finals because that's why you play. The fixture yeah. should be reasonable with reasonable Yes, we could own the world and solve its problems if we can. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a big problem, but um, even the, the T20 in Canada's got the 1v2, 3v4 final system, so it's frustrating. Yeah. Play this whole home and away season, and still don't, and could fit in all those extra games, but couldn't find room for one more game. Yeah, uh, yeah. Annoying. You want to, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's the issue. When you extend it from the end of January to the end of February, but you still don't change the final system, it's a bit yeah. weird. So it wraps up on the seventeenth of February. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's what James Sutherland said he wanted to do. He wanted to take it into mid-Feb, so it was running into school time so that kids would go back to school and still be following the BBL. Uh, yeah, right. I see. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. And I um, I read something interesting during the week about the BBL around um, the, the new head of the BBL. She said that she wanted sort of like a tribalism within the uh, BBL fan base. So people and hitting each other. It's interesting... Yeah, but it's interesting that, you know, <laughs> us four, we like we have a team. We have a red tribe. Given that we're doing what we're doing as a... Uh, not that it's a massive podcast, but, you know, we we, we stay impartial-ish, I suppose, when it comes to the BBL. Yeah. Um, well, I wonder how tribalistic it, it is when it comes to the BBL. I think it's... The problem with it is it's still in its infancy, if you really stick about it. Like... Like people, yeah. people, like what she because she's based in Australia should be looking at something like say rugby league or Australian rules football. But you got like an Australian rules football club like a Carlton and a Collingwood. They're over a hundred years old. Yeah, like there's a century of ingrained like this is our club and we hate this mob and rah rah. Yeah, and people have like like my, like I barrack for Collingwood because my father barracks for Collingwood and there's like in some mm. generations they're three or four generations deep of barracking for a site. Where at this rate, like, what are we in now? What's this? this will be the eighth season of BBL? Yep. Oh, yeah, eighth or ninth, yeah. Eighth yeah, so, like, it's... You don't... And because of the way the players swap around so consistently as well, like, they're ne- it's hard to build that tribalism because it just feels like, oh, yeah, this guy's gone now, he's at this club, and this guy's at this club, and that's part of it too, I think. But anyway... But that's having, just, having yeah. said that, I, I love her idea of getting that tribalism. Oh, yeah, I think I, it's... I, like, I love that. But being Victorian as we are, it's it's intrinsic to us where yeah. you, know, you pick you pick a team and you, you stick with that team, that's it, that's your team. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. over here in Perth where I am now, like if you're a Scorchers fan, you're a Scorchers fan because you've got nothing else. Mm-hmm. And I think you can build on that now, given the success of the BBL, uh, given the fact that you know they went city-based and made it work. Uh, I think in the next ten years, um, you you might see a bit of that tribalism come through. And I, I love her ideas about you know we want to get to that point of we are going to be a tribalistic. Uh, T20 competition where once you're a renegade or once you're a star or once you're a scorcher, that's all you are. Whereas for us, we sort of, we jumped on the renegades early, but because we're doing what we're doing now and, you know, we have to keep stock of what's going on with all the teams, we probably don't see it as much as what maybe Joe Public sees it. Yeah. I think it's... Sorry, can you go? Uh, I I was just going to say, like, it 
essentially for us, we're old and jaded people, most of us, yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it, the BBL is built for the children and stuff, and I think a lot of them are tribalistic already, so we're just going to wait. So, essentially, if you were 15 when it started, you're now 23. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. If you're young and impressionable, you might be almost having a child now. So, it's only like, you know two or three years away from being tribal purely for the fact of, as you said, Mick, like being around for enough time. Yeah. And and I think the... the you, you go to the, the few games I've been to, admittedly, because I don't really enjoy it too much, like going to the game, I like watching it, but um, uh, the kids are definitely tribal, at least at the Renegades games that I've been to with you, Mick. Yeah, no, the, the young people, like, like you said, kids are all over it. I think, like you said, the thing with us is, like, from, yeah, like from our point of view, like... We were, like, me personally, I was 28, 29 when it launched. Yeah, So, yeah. like, it's like, yeah, okay. It's like, yeah, like, I buried for the Renegades because <laughs> that's where Brad Hodge went. Brad Hodge is my favourite player. Like, yeah. if he had gone and fucking played for Timbuktu, I'd be a Timbuktu fucking fan. Well, it's the same here. I followed uh, Ronald McDonald to uh, Renegades, yeah. which is why I'm so. Renegades. Mm. Yep, that's great. Yes. Okay, the WBBL... <laughs> is uh, back and it's starting yep. December 1 and the final is going to be on January 26 hey. Australia's Days uh, the opening, Australia's Days the opening weekend will be at City Power Arena and they'll have a Carnivale atmosphere with all teams playing a game down there 23 matches broadcast yep. on 7 Network and Fox Sports cricket.com.au stream all the remaining matches nice all standalone regular season games are free to attend, and there's another uh, a number of double headers as well. So 23 matches is an increase in a number of matches that are broadcast, so that's good. And it seems next year, plans are afoot. You can say whether it's a good idea or a bad idea. 2019-20 mm-hmm. season will likely feature matches fixtured in a carnival-style weekends. In October, November, in a dedicated WBBL window. Oh, okay, so they'll have clean air against everything else. Mm. I like it. Uh, I actually quite like it because I'm not a fan of the Aussie Rules female competition, as it's known. But I think the WBBL um, is a very, very good product. And given that it's a good product, they should have clean air to be able to showcase that product. Fair enough. Yeah, I think clean air also worked for the um, AFL Women's as well, having a spot purely dedicated for that. Um, nothing else going on in the calendar sort of helped that get off its mm. uh, up and running, I suppose. Um, yeah, I think it's about time. Um, and I think are they charging to get in to matches next year too, Ross? Possibly, which I think is a mistake. Um, Say that again, mate. I, yeah, I think they're looking at it. They're considering charging five dollars or ten dollars to get in, which I think is a mistake. Um, I know this is some theory that uh, if you charge for something, it must be worth going to. Well, I disagree. Is um, and yeah, like people don't go to watch Carlton play footy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but also back uh, in the day, you go watch Victoria. You'd go which Victoria play a Sheffield Shield game with the Met card. So if you bought a trade ticket, yeah. you would get in. Yeah. yeah. And and the product was no worse than what it is if you had to pay to get in. 
Yeah. I just think it's... It was just an incentive just, to go and watch. It's just silly to charge. It's just unnecessary. It's not going to bring in heaps of money, so why put it on people? Like, it's a small amount, but it'll turn some people off, I think. But I also think I think the problem, too, is that as a, as a cricketing viewing public, we've, in the last 10 years, apart from the top of the tree, apart from watching Australia play tests or one-dayers, you're trained that you don't have to pay to watch the next level down. And I know no. that's the BBL's changed that because it's the BBL and all that. But, like, when you go watch the Shield and all that stuff, you're basically trained that you don't really have to pay to watch it or you pay, like, a nominal amount or the Met card thing. So I think yeah. now to try and turn that around, especially for the WBBL, which is a new product and that, it could be tough. So Yeah, I think it might... It, I, I don't know what the decision makers are thinking but is it to legitimise the brand a bit yeah, more? I think so. Yeah, probably. It makes it seem that if, yeah. you have to, if you charge it makes it seem legitimate. Yeah, it's real. Yeah. yeah. It seems like you know what, if it's five bucks it's, people people are going to go for nothing they'll go for five bucks. Yeah, five bucks. Yeah, and if they don't they probably didn't like it that much anyway. Yeah, so. like five or ten bucks doesn't stop me going to watch a couple of Shield matches I've gone since that change. Mm. So. Yeah. Yes. Well, on with that... Anyway, of, of all that stuff I couldn't hear, <laughs> we move on now to <laughs> Pakistan's fabulous tour of Zimbabwe 2018. So, oh, yeah. We've been going for an hour and a half, so Zimbabwe I'll uh, keep lost. It brief. Uh, Pakistan have stayed on after the uh, T20 Tri Series, and they're playing a five-game ODI series against Zimbabwe. First one, Pakistan ran up 308. Zimbabwe all out 107. Wow. <laughs> Second ODI, Zimbabwe batted first, made 194. Pakistan, 36 overs, one for 195. Oh, third, third ODI, Zimbabwe batted first and made 67. <laughs> Pakistan, 10 overs, one for 69. Or do mm-hmm. the for two. The fourth Wouldn't ODI if that was two for 69. is tomorrow, <laughs> and the fifth one is on Sunday. So there you go. That's what happens when you hmm. tour. Oh, do you want to see the highlight of that whole series? <laughs> also on our Facebook page, watch old mate celebrate and do his shoulder, the fucking idiot from Pakistan. <sighs> yeah. It's not nothing he didn't deserve, hey? Okay, we look now very quickly at the results of the England and India. They played three T20Is, and that one went to India. They got over the line in the third T20. It was one all going to the third T20. England made 198 for nine, and India chased it down, 201 for three, in 19 and a bit overs. Very impressive effort. Um, Jason Roy, 67 off 31 for... Um, uh, England as they racked up a cricket score of nearly 10 and over and then it was Rohit Sharma who made a century of 56 balls and Old Panda who made 33 or 14 to get him over the line at the end an impressive effort some nice bowling figures there Chris Jordan 3.4 overs none for 40 Liam Plunkett 3 overs none for 42 yeah <laughs> Sucker Ross, were one. these the games where the crowd was booing Donny because he was batting too slow? I will say yes and no, Mick, because yes, I liked your question, and no, I couldn't hear a word of what you said. Oh, I said, <laughs> so, um, 
Donny was getting booed. In, was it? These were the games where he's oh, getting no, booed because he's batting the, too slow. Then there eyes. Then there were the Odie oh. eyes, and I think that was oh, in the okay. Odie eyes that he got booed. Yeah. Yeah. First ODI, England made 268. Joe Root scored a shit ton of runs in the ODIs, Ross. Yes, he did. India chased that down, 268. They chased it down in 40 overs, 2 for 269. Then uh, England made 322, India all out 236. So it was one all going to the third ODI. And India only made 256 for eight. And England chased it down, 260 for two. Wow. In 40 overs. So it was um, Joe Root. And in the first ODI, they got bowled out by this spinner. What's his name? I don't know what his name is. But anyway, he was... Shame Warp. No. Uh, <laughs> Yadav. Yadav, Yadav. Cool, cool Deep Yadav. Yadav. Dude, not Yadav. No, no. Cool Deep Yadav. Oh. He took five for 20 or something in the first ODI. And then by the, they'd worked him out by the third ODI. He took none for 55 off 10 overs in the last oh, one. Oh, oh, oh. And it was a ton to Joe Jeez. Root. 100 off 120 balls. And our mate Owen Morgan, 88 off 108, got him over the line. So that was very good. Well done, them. King Oath, mate. Mm. So there you go. Two well-competed uh, one-day international series by those two teams. They love every minute of it and can't wait to get stuck into the test matches is what I'm hearing from that part of the world. Oh, King Oath, they're raring to go. Yeah. We look now... Champing at the bit, Ross. Oh, chomping at it, even. Oh, they chomping. Should be, they I should think actually you're right, be champ. good tests, because there seems to be a little bit of a uh, niggle in these uh, ODIs and T20s, so the test series Indeed, can be very interesting. and uh, I think they've got four tests coming up, so that'll be good. Get on the stuff and watch that. Okay. Uh, Bangladesh have been touring the West Indies. The first test was held at uh, North Sound. July 4 to 6. Bangladesh batted first. We mentioned this a little while ago. Bowled out for 43. Oh, yeah. West Indies replied with 406, thanks to 121 at the top of the order by Craig Brathwaite, our man. And then backed it up in the second league, Bangladesh, by making 144 to lose by an absolute shitload. Jason Holder. Innings in 300. Three for 30. Shannon Gabriel. Five for 77. Then second test rolled around, of course, and that was in Kingston, Jamaica. West Indies made 354. And bowled Bangladesh out for 149. Craig Brathwaite made another ton, back-to-back for Craggy. Oh, smash Craigster. Back-to-back, dude. No, that's it. And uh, Jason Holder, uh, he took five for 44 off 10 overs. Getting better. West Indies rolled for 129 in their second innings, unimpressive, but still meant that they set Bangladesh a target of 335 for victory, and they weren't quite up to the task. They made 168 all out, and Jason Holder, 6 for 59. So he took yeah, 11. got a 10 for, I think. Yeah, he, yeah, he finished 11, 10 for, yeah. 11 for 103. Impressive. Yes. So there you go. Very impressive all-round performance. So that was player any skipper match. and you buy yourself? Yep. Player of the match, Jason Holder. Player of the series, Jason Holder. Yeah. Oh, Captain go. Courageous. Yeah. Three-day test match. The best sort of test match. <laughs> and now the West Indies uh, uh, take on Bangladesh in three ODIs to be played in Providence and Basseterre 
and follow it with a couple of T20Is in Lauder Hill in Florida. Mm. There you go. Ah. Yeah. Mm. So I look forward to it's telling you state. more about that. We move on now to Sri Lanka versus South Africa. And it has been a... Zephyr's got an absolute smack in. Oh, did they ever. 287 Sri Lanka in their first innings, but uh, South Africa showed them how it was done and made 126. So FDM <laughs> Kurnaratni carried his bat. He made 158 out of 287, but he didn't face the very first ball. So is that really carrying your bat? I'm not sure. <laughs> he was not it's out. It's not. Yeah. I've, I've, I've done it twice, and it's not. Okay, good. Radio. Like, thanks for the cheap seats. I knew, I, <laughs> I knew you'd know. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm the only cunt who's capable of opening <laughs> this podcast. Oh, fuck it, hell. Uh, oh, well, fucking suck a dick, cunt. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's turned ugly. When I, no, no. Each other, when I say... Ugly. When I say capable of opening, that means I can't bat anywhere else. Mike, bat oh, anywhere look at him backpedal, David Bull. Shot across the bow from Darcy, David Bull's backpedaling. Tail between his legs. Oh, Alex, we'll, we'll take this offline. FDM Kurnaratni top scored again with 60 out of 190 all out. South Africa left the target 352 for a victory, and they were yep. rock and rolled for 73. Oh, Jesus. MDK Pereira took 6 for 32 Rangana Harath took 3 for 38 they, those two are spinners they opened the bowling all but 3.2 overs of the 78 overs bowled by Sri Lanka were spin <laughs> oh, yeah. oh shit yes uh, so there you go been Part a well-prepared pitch, I think. Yep, was, of course, Kurunaratni, and Sri Lanka lead the two-match series 1-0. It was a three-day test, the best sort of test, umpired by old mates Paul Rifle and Rod Tucker. Ah, um, last man. Yeah, and the match referee was Ginn's favourite player, he of the enormously wide floppy hat, Sir Richie Richardson. He made sure that the captains exchanged team sheets at the coin toss. Yeah, the carbon copy only, though, Ross. They're they kept old. the originals. Yes. And he awarded both teams three points at that point. Oh. Okay. Glad you laughed. We go on the... <laughs> Good joke. So that's it. We're Is done. there more, Ross? No, there's no, no more. There's four international series happening at the moment. I've covered them all in quicker time than you got through the Junction Oval's first 35 years. <laughs> that's good. a good point. Yes. <laughs> I think that brings us to a close, unless there's any listener feedback that I've neglected to scour from no. the internet. Uh, no, listener feedback that I had was that we're we're tracking well. Um, uh, D Small's hosting was a was a positive, but Ross, you're still needed to keep this under control. Is what I heard. <laughs> well, I've certainly done a good job of that for this hour and oh, yeah. four minutes. <laughs> Effort. I think I didn't speak for 50 minutes in the middle there. It was good. <laughs> anyway, that brings us to a close. We are on all major oh. social media and podcasting platforms. I feel I need a nap. You can find us on iTunes, <laughs> SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, at Midoff Cricket Podcast, on our website, midoffcricketpodcast.wix.com slash home. Our next podcast will be in a fortnight, and we'll probably go for two hours. Till next oh, time. Yes. It's bye for now. Thanks for listening. We'll be sponsored by we'll be sponsored by Discord, I think. <laughs> See you, Jets. See ya.
Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Uh, that was pretty ordinary, but away we go. <laughs>